For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Your buddy Murph back once again for a Raiders fan radio conversation. So glad to welcome in this week to the Fan Cave a Raiders author. We're going to be talking to Rich Schmelter. He is an author of numerous sports books, but mostly the thing we want to talk to him about is the Raiders Encyclopedia. Uh, this book covers the Raiders' history from its inception in 1960 through the end of the uh, 2009-2010 season. Uh, you can find that book, the ebook version of it, on Amazon. Uh, it's only $9.99 on Amazon. It's a great, great read. I picked it up just a couple days ago, and I'm working my way through it now. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, it, within that book, you get a lot of season-by-season reviews. You get all-time records, all-time honors. And then one of my favorite sections was uh, what he refers to the players of yore and it goes through all the legends uh, all the Raider legends that have that have uh, come through wearing the silver and black uh, from you know from the all time greats like Banizak and Stabler of course all the way up through to the the players of that era of the recent era uh, which we're talking about guys like Namdi Asamoah so it's a great read for Raider Nation so definitely go check it out the Raiders Encyclopedia and so without further ado welcome here to Raiders Fan Radio Rich Schmelter. Hello, Rich. Hey, Murph. How are you? I'm and doing, hello, Raider Nation. I'm doing fantastic, man. It is good to talk to you. Uh, I love, you know, we around here have a lot of reverence for the history of the Raiders, and you're literally an author of the history of the Raiders and the, and the, and the greatness uh, of the Raiders. And in fact, you've got a new book coming out about the 83 Raiders, which we'll, we'll kind of end on. I want to hear from you on that, but um, you've got this amazing wealth of knowledge and collection now of writings about the history of the team. Where did all that start for you? Where does your fandom come from? When I first watched the Immaculate Reception game, which unfortunately I don't still consider it ever really happened. However, when Snake Stabler was quarterbacking that, that game, and I remember he had a little smiley face sticker on his helmet. And I just, <clears throat> excuse me, and I just thought, that this guy is awesome. And right at that point, I became a diehard Raiders fan and all the way through to this day, I mean, in, in forever and always, you know, Raider Nation forever. And that's how it started. And then my passion in writing started, you know, shortly after that. But I didn't have a chance to do this Raiders Encyclopedia until I started to realize that it was going to be 50 years in Raiders history. And I thought, what a great compilation to do this, you know, for 50 years. I mean, that's the greatness of the Raiders throughout that whole time period. And I, I enjoyed every single minute of it. And a lot of people, when they look at the book, they say, geez, you know, all this, all this 
information in here. You know, it had to be mind-boggling, but I loved every single minute of it. That's awesome. So what, um, you know, and you, it's just an incredible collection, not only of, of the stats and the kind of the facts and figures around it, but also like you give a, a lot of insight into, especially in this players of your section, um, where you kind of give an insight to what the Raiders are and they're, you know, and, and all those stories I think are fantastic. I, I I've talked often on our show about how being a kid of the seventies and eighties, you know, um, we didn't have YouTube back then and any of the history of the team that, that I wasn't old enough to see myself all came to me through stories about players, about foo and about kick him in the head, Ted, and about, you know, the man from Mars and about, you know, the assassin and, <laughs> and all that stuff and snake, of course. And, and those came from my uncles and, and my dad. And, and so they, they, they passed those stories down. And I, and I thought, and, you know, and those, and, as a result, those players became like superheroes to me. Like, you know, more than I was a fan of Thor and Superman and Batman, I was a fan of, you know, uh, of, of Ray Guy and Fred Bolitnikoff. You know what I mean? For You know, and so, because they just, they, they seem so much larger than life. Um, talk about that, about assembling like the, the back end of your book and those stories. Um, not only the assembly of, of those stories, but did you learn anything from there? Were there things about the players that, you know, about Billy Cannon or somebody else that maybe wasn't on that like top rung of player that we typically think of the seventies Raiders that you, did you learn something else along in that process? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, every, everything that you do, just because you might want to do a book and you look at uh, all the research that you have and you think that you know a lot about maybe 50% you really don't know until you really get into it. And uh, sometimes I actually stopped and I forgot that I was writing the book because I was so interested in the information that I was gathering. And just some of the stats and just some of the, the attitudes of these players like twos. I was always a huge fan of twos and uh, just, you know, just some, some of these, these antics that these guys did. And it, it just, it, it was just an incredible, incredible vibe that I picked up from this. And um, I, I, I loved every single minute of it, every single minute of it. So what was your big takeaways? What did you learn from, from assembling all of that and assembling all the, in, the entirety of the Raiders history into one book? It was, um, oh, geez, that, that's a tough one. I would say there's so many different things. I mean, just, you know, the greatness, how this team rose basically as orphans you know, nobody, you know, they, they were going to not even be considered the Oakland Raiders when they first started. And then all of a sudden, Al Davis comes in, creates this, this, this juggernaut by getting these players that are, you know, misfits, mavericks, and, you know, they were castoffs from other teams. And then they just all came together. And even though they might have had some serious problems out in other cities, they banded together and just became this incredible, incredible wrecking machine. And, you know, the numbers speak for themselves on, on what they were able to accomplish from, from 1963 to 1983, you know, whether it's a uh, division championships, AFC championships, and of course, Super Bowl titles, um, and a Hall of Famers from that time period, and the, the great defenses, great offenses, just colorful characters. And it just, it just, everything just rolled into one and it's just an incredible package. That's what I got away from it. I, hopefully I explained it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay for you. Absolutely. So of those, of those colorful characters, we 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 have a, a question we like to ask a lot our guests about uh, the Mount Rushmore question. And if if you had to make a Mount Rushmore of Raiders, and we spot you Al Davis because it's just Al, and then everybody else, right? Comes He's in the middle. To, He's in the middle. He's right? in the middle, right? <laughs> but if you have to round that out about about three other people, coaches, players, executives, you name it, 
that round out what the Raiders are, the mystique, the image of the Raiders. Who else you putting on the list? Three more, right? Three more. Uh, and you're talking the renegade, the renegade type you, style? You pick it. What tells the story of the Raiders? Uh, I'd have to go Snake, Snake Stabler, definitely. Tom Flores, both as a player and as a coach, because he was able to be the ringmaster to this incredible circus of, of wild men. And that gives me one more. My gosh, I, I would probably say John Matuzak. Matuzak, I love it. Matuz, yeah, I mean, you know, talk about an outlaw. I mean, this man was the stereotypical Raider. So that, that would be Mount Rushmore. I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, going to disagree here and there. But, you know, maybe we could make about 50 Mount Rushmores and we could add a, add a bunch more. <laughs> that, that's the problem is, and that's why it's so tough, is that someone gets left out. Like, it's, you know I what I mean? John Madden. I just realized I left John Madden out. You know? Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, Willie Brown or Tim Brown or like, you, you know, you think about the greatness of the Raiders. It's an awful long list. I mean, you know, Timmy Brown's nickname is Mr. Raider for crying out loud. You know what I mean? Or right. Howie Long. Jim or Otto. Like, Jim Otto. Jim Otto, you know, just, right? Yep. It's, now it's all starting to come to me. Now I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, I'll tell you what. There's, there's another one that we do, which is your Mount Rushmore Raiders you'd want in a bar fight, and Jim Otto always ends up on that one. <laughs> oh, I'd have to, I'd have to go th- uh, three-mile Lyle on that one. I'd have to go Lyle Alzado. I mean, I, I, would, I would, you know, th- I love this one line that he said where he said, if I go into an alley – for a fight with King Kong, he goes, one of us is going to come out and it's not going to be the ape. I mean, that was just, <laughs> just a great line where he's going to rip Theismann's head off, Joe Theismann's head off. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, I, mean I, I would take, I would take Lyle Elzado and I would take twos into, into any bar fight anywhere. Absolutely. Anywhere. And I'll go in there with Ben Davidson and, uh, and oh, we'll, yeah. we'll clean up. Right. Um, right. Hey, something you mentioned there, I want to, I want to talk about this because I think it's really topical. Raider Nation would love to hear your perspective on it, considering the historical uh, context that you can bring the conversation. We talk about Flores, who's now finally made uh, the Hall of Fame. And when we look at, if we just isolate his Raider career, there's no doubt he's a slam dunk Hall of Famer. And I've in the past kind of gone down this journey of, of, trying to understand what the Hall of Fame overlook was all about, and I think it relates to what his time was in Seattle. And I also think that it it relates to, you know, Al Davis was the orchestrator of this whole thing, right? He was the guy that, he was the mastermind behind the Raiders and ultimately the 83 Raiders. And I think, unfortunately, or even the one before, even the 81, the first Super Bowl team with Tom Flores. But I think it's unfortunate that Flores never got the credit that he frankly deserved until recently because Al was always looked at as the guy. It was Al was the GM. Al was the, you know, the mastermind behind it. And Flores was just kind of there, but I don't think that tells the story enough of the significance of Tom Flores. Can you speak on that please on, on, on why this is such an important moment for him to now be getting inducted to the hall of fame? I think, you know, even though people do say that about Al Davis, Al Davis, uh, they also said that about Al Davis and John Madden also, but Coach Flores, he was a quiet, he, he's a, he was a gentleman's gentleman. I mean, he was uh, low-key, but he had a certain way about him that all he needed was a look to get a player's attention, and he just knew how to manage personalities. And you had to, you had to be able to have that, and he was very open to uh, listen to what his players had to say. Like if somebody said, you know, if Cliff Branch would say, hey, I can beat this guy, he would listen to him. And whereas opposed to a lot of coaches would say, no, no, no. Coach Flores was a very, uh, he was a calming, calming factor in 
Armageddon, let's say, <laughs> you know, Armageddon in cleats. Um, I, I, that's, that's what I think was his, was his incredible, um, incredible talent was he was a good player. He was a good person manager and, uh, they didn't call him the ice man for nothing. You know, this guy, this gentleman would hang in the pocket until, you know, the whole, the whole team was coming down and the whole opposition was coming down on him before he would release that ball. And he carried that calm demeanor into his coaching profession. And finally to Canton, which took him way too long. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And, and would you, I know your upcoming book is, is the championship diary series, and you're going to feature the 83 Raiders uh, early on in that series. And is, is, are the 83 Raiders the perfect Raider team? Um, I, I think, I, I think when you have to think of the perfect Raider team, I would have to maybe even go to the 76 team which I'm also going to do a project on, as well as the 80 team. Um, all three of them I loved. And it was basically, you know, you just kind of roll the dice and say, which one do I want to do first? And it's like, well, if I can clone myself two times over, I would be able to, you know, take care of them all. But um, I think the 76 team was better. I mean, you had the Soul Patrol in that defensive backfield. I mean, you you running into, would you like to be a receiver running into, you know, a backfield with gentlemen like the name, you know, the Assassin, the hitman and Dr. Death. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you know, again, my, my, one, of, one of my favorites, uh, the twos on the line and that offense. I mean, you had the greatest offensive line, barring none, on, uh, uh, to, to, to block for stable. I mean, you look at Snake's jersey in that game, he didn't even have a little bit of grass on him. I mean, he was barely touched. Uh, he had, you know, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame receiver and Fred Bolitnikoff. He had another one that should be in the Hall of Fame in Cliff Branch, your tight end in the Hall of Fame. Um, just an incredible, incredible team. The, the 83 team, I would say, had the greatest defensive backfield duo at cornerback in Hayes and Haynes um, that, that were untouchable. A lot of people you know, will argue with me about Frank Minifield and uh, uh, Hanford Dixon from the Browns at that time, but it's like they, they, couldn't, they couldn't compete with, with those two gentlemen. And um, I, I – so – then yet you had Marcus Allen, you know, to me the greatest backfield player of all time on that team, and he proved that in that Super Bowl, that seventy-four yard run, which I still get goosebumps when you hear there goes Marcus Allen running oh, with the night, you know, John Facenta. But um, that that was a great team too. I mean, they all had something, and the eighty team came out of nowhere. So I would say I would say probably the seventy-six team was probably more solid. Um, and I, again, I don't want to take anything away from from either of the 80 or the 83 team, because to me, they were all equal. But if history is going to look at a team out of those three, you'd almost have to go 76. Okay. And you know, the re and, the, you know, and I, I default there too, because that's my, again, those were my superheroes. So, uh, I was born in 73. So, you know, as, as I'm, you know, forming my football fandom, I'm hearing all these stories and then especially going back and, you know, you see the highlights of, of, of that famed secondary from you know, old man, Willie to Jack, uh, to, uh, you know, Tatum, uh, lighten up. Was it Washington or, uh, was it Sammy white, whoever it was coming over Sammy the middle. White, Sammy white from, uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, yeah, so you, it off. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you see those images. And so the, I automatically kind of go there too, that that was, that's my favorite Raider team. But the reason for my question is that in knowing that you're, you know, you're studying the 83 team now for your, for your book is that, you know, this was like, you had 
all of the you, you know you had veterans uh, hall of fame veterans uh you know guys like 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 mike haynes that came in to the team guys like alzado that came into the team to round it out but then you still had that, those core players on the line but then you had rookies young players like howie long in there and I just the dimensions of that team i think are are really unique where i feel like the 76 team was like those guys were a core unit that were together for a long time right like they were really uh from 72 on up through to, really to snake's departure right i just like where like al kind of like that really i think showed off maybe that's a better version of the question is that what was a better version of, of al showing off who he was as a talent evaluator and a mastermind i think 83 might be the more evident of that is that a fairer way to ask it I agree. I'm sitting over here nodding my head at everything that you're saying, Murph, because I totally agree with you. I think, you know, the 83 team, it, they, they were talk about the, the, the stereotypical misfit Mavericks Mavericks. I mean, they, they left Oakland and they were going back and forth from from Northern California to Southern California to play. They would practice up north, and then they'd come down to, to Los Angeles to play their games that first year. They wound up going 8-1. and one. And, of course, they lost to the Jets in the uh, second round of the playoffs. But then in 83, uh, when, when, you know, when they came out of they, – they, they came out of nowhere because it was a peak and valley. I mean, the, there for a while the Raiders were – they were up, and then they went down. The, you know, they won in 80, and then they, they sunk in 80, 1981. And then in 82, they rose again. So everybody was kind of thinking, well, this team, it's getting a little bit older in certain spots. And, you know, is the, you know, was Mark Wilson ready to take over for Plunkett? Was Plunkett past his prime? Uh, and just all that chaos with, with Al Davis and Pete Rozelle in court all the time. And these guys, you know, just, just rallied, rallied and just won it all. And, again, you look at the one calming, one calming point of it all is Coach Flores. And he was the one that guided that team like that, you know, kept those guys grounded. And uh, especially, you know, the group of guys that, that he had to keep grounded. And the one thing I and I, I know I've brought him up numerous times, but John Matuzak retired, you know, with, when he had those back problems and all right before that season was going to start. And I, I just I just drool at the opportunity. Could you have imagined Elzado, Matuzak and Howie Long on that same line? Oh, man. That's, I know. That's I know. awesome. I never thought about that. That's awesome. I know. It gets you going, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Yeah. What a, what a great concept. Yeah. That, um, you know, especially after on the heels, of course, Al Davis versus the NFL. And we do a, um, we, we always, you know, watch those, uh, NFL films highlight reels, you know, throughout the course of the year anyways, but I did a live stream, uh, watch party with all three of those and, and just watching those and having them so fresh on the mind. Like it's just such a beautiful era for, you know, for sports. And then, but especially as Raider fans and Rich, do you think, is it, is so much, is it been now so darn long ago and so much has changed? Can we ever recapture the, the mystique of what the Raiders were? Like, I know winning cures all and, and we'll all be happy if the Raiders return to the playoffs and God forbid win a championship, but will it ever feel like that again? Or is it just a bygone era? I truly believe it's a bygone era. I, I think, you know, Al Davis, he was, you know, from, again, from 63 to 83, Al Davis was, you know, king of the hill. And the players from that time period are, are almost, you know, Mount Rushmore-ish. 
You know, if that, that it doesn't really came, come out too well, but uh, they're almost they're almost um, not even considered human. They're they're just legendary, like a Paul Bunyan type type approach to them. And I just I, I truly think it is a bygone era. I don't think you'll ever ever get players of that mystique, that caliber, um, just that 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 following, that that passion. I, I truly don't believe that that that'll happen, uh, especially because you know free agency and all people come and go so much. Where you had so many of those guys that hung around for so many years. Yeah, it's sad. You know, we have a, a lot of uh, you know a wide range of of ages that listen to our show, and uh, and some of the folks that that I've heard from that are in that like you know lower to or to later 20s age group um that really have never seen the raiders achieve greatness other than maybe a handful of years with gruden um when they were younger and and i heard this sentiment from a lot of people that like when we start talking about this stuff when we start talking about these eras of the raiders I, they almost get frustrated because they're like, that's great for you guys that you still have that for you middle-aged guys but where's yeah. ours like, we want that, too. I want to know what that feels like. But you know what? I don't know if they ever will, even if the Raiders win a championship. I don't know no, if they'll ever always, feel what you and I feel. What I always tell people is, you want to see the Raiders win a championship all the time? Go on to YouTube, punch up 1976, 80, 83 Raiders. They win every time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. and, and, I mean, just some of these highlights. And I, 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 have a, I, I do that also, you know, with, with, um, with kids of, you know, the, like you said, the 20s and all that it's like you have to go on and look at these highlights. And a lot of times when they watch these highlights of, I go, look up Jack Tatum's hit on Sammy White and look up this and that. And I mean, they watch this and they're like, oh my gosh. And uh, it's, I almost feel like kind of like a Pied Piper for the silver and black. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Rich, this has been a lot of fun talking to you. I feel you and I talked for 20 minutes before we got started today, and I, I feel like I could talk to you for uh, another hour about this history, man. But uh, I want to be respectful of your time. First off, appreciate you uh, jumping on here and having a conversation with me. Uh, we're talking to Rich Smelter. He's the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. You can find it on Amazon. Go grab it, Raider Nation. Get the ebook. You can get the hard copy version. Uh, support his work. It's fantastic. Um, I'm in the middle of reading it now and uh and i could not be more delighted uh and then upcoming he's got the championship diary series uh with the 83 raiders rich you got any uh you got any messages for raider nation before we uh we'll let you go i would anything for raider nation uh the greatness of the raiders let's hope is in their future like al, da- al davis used to say and um i love i love all of you raider nation is uh i bleed silver and black I love it, and uh, I wish all of them the best, and just win, baby. Man, very well put. Well, Rich, thank you for joining us once again. Look forward to meeting you in person, hopefully. Uh, COVID withstanding, uh, we'll be able to meet you up here at the uh, upcoming induction of, uh, of course, Coach Flores, Charles Woodson, and uh, and also the violator, Wayne Mabry, uh, getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So hopefully we get to get a chance to uh, shake hands and share an adult beverage. You got absolutely consider it done, Murph. And I thank you so much for the kind words and the time. And uh, like I said, I feel the same way. I could talk to you all day. Well, we'll definitely do this again soon. I look forward to it. Thank all you right. so much. All right, take care, my friend. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Say big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big.